Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodaychicago.com. We've been in a series talking about the alchemy of joy, which I don't know anything about, really. I'm not a very joyful person, so I had to do a lot of research, you know what I'm saying? Search some internet articles. But um, I just want to talk about today the inexpressible joy of worship. There is something about us exalting the name of Jesus um, that connects us to the eternity that we get to face. And we get to do it with joy in our hearts. I think we are a people who are created to give glory to God. And we actually end up, we, we end up finding our design in the midst of worship. I know you come in here, we come in here sometimes and the whole week is dragged in here with you. You got like Monday through Friday hanging on your pant leg when you come in. All the things that happen, all the arguments with your spouse, all the people who may have cut you off, all of the unexpected bills, all of that enters here with us. And so what I want to impart to you today is um, an understanding of the power of of worship, of not just seeing worship as an active activity, but seeing it as a lifestyle that you activate on a daily basis. And as such, we get to see exactly how rooted we are called to be in the joy of the Lord. Father, I just want to thank you um, today for this, this time, for this moment, for us being able to meet and uh, praise you and worship you in this larger space, Father. But um, I know that you have so many gifts for us, God. Put us in a position to where we can receive them, to where we can be the people that you've called us to be, Lord God. I thank you for setting us on fire, for helping us understand exactly how much of your spirit you have poured out on us without ever demanding the payment or cost that Jesus has already paid, Father. I pray on this day that you would just come and visit us, Lord God, that you would be here, that it wouldn't be my words or the things that I say or the way that I um, put sentences together, God, but it would be your spirit speaking directly to hearts that those who are looking for that missing link, that missing element would find it today, God. And I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. I've always been... Um, not always, but I always had, you know, kind of a, a joyful disposition. And you live a life where you get to have joy in your heart. But this is not actually just, it is a gift that God has given me. But it's something that has been cultivated. Now, we live in a, a life sometimes where we see people who have these dispositions or people who have these attitudes. And we go, wow, man, that must be awesome for them. That's something that I don't ever have access to. Or we see somebody with a, a grand, amazing spiritual gift that we would like to prophesy. We would like to be able to pray and see people who are healed. We would like to know when it was time to ask somebody to accept Jesus in their heart. That we would like to have these large gifts and we don't know even where to start at. But I feel that God has given us a way um, to pursue that for us personally. So that we, there's nothing that 
is a part of our inheritance, that is a part of our promise that is locked off to us. That doesn't sound like the generous father in scripture. That doesn't sound like God looking for every possible way to show favor and mercy to his people. And as he is generous, there also we can be generous in every single way. And this lifestyle of worship is not one that anybody ever feel like you have a life that's siloed? You know, you have work, you have church, you have finances, you have mental health. There are all these different things that are siloed. Um, as such, understanding who God has created us to be a worshipful people will take down all of those walls that we have. So I'm going to read from 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter 1 and 3 through It says, um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm going to start at three actually, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with the joy inexpressible and full of glory. That'll preach just by itself. Yet believing you rejoice with the joy of inexpressible and full of glory. That's a lot of joy and that's a lot of inexpressibility. That we don't get just a, a measure of joy and then it becomes the end of it. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. How does it get there? <laughs> I receive Jesus in my heart and I get a measure of that joy. How do I access the kind of joy that made people pray when they're getting torn apart by lions? Or made people worship in times when they should be cowering in a corner? How did we access that kind of joy? And I posit that it is through worship. Worship is the manifestation of this inexpressible joy that there is no way, nothing you can do that can shape and show you that you can fully produce the joy that God has put in your heart. 
But how does that even make sense? I feel like, you know what I'm saying? You ever heard of the gateway drug? You know, what is that? Marijuana, right? You can say that in church. It's cool. It's going to be legal soon. So, But it's like joy is the gateway gift for the rest. It is the one through which peace and love and kindness and long-suffering through which they all travel. And especially joy, it really overestimates the optimism in everything. My wife can tell you I can find an optimism about anything. Somebody could be like, my leg is broken, I'm bleeding. I'm like, but look, you got another good leg. God gave you another good leg. That's awesome. But I think in when we receive Christ, um, we don't get fruit of the Spirit. We get seeds of the Spirit. And the parable of the seed and the sower, it's almost like all of this, all of these seeds just get to sit on our heart and on our lives. And how do we activate and access that fruit that remains, that lasts forever? And it is by our heart continued to be tenderized in God's presence, in his presence. I love the opportunity to come and be here with you and worship and look forward to it all the time. Um, and I wonder... Um, why sometimes I don't value it as much as I should. And I think the immutability of God or the fact that he's always around, that he's omnipresent, that he's omniscient, makes me take all of these days for granted. You ever think about children, how much of their life is a week? So when you tell them you got to wait a week, they're like, oh, man, dang, that's a long time. I got to wait a week. But you tell me that, and I'm like, cool, it's a week. I've been through a lot of those. Time has less and less value the longer I live. Therefore, I don't show up like it's my last day. I don't show up like, what if Jesus comes back tomorrow? Did I give him every single thing that I have? I have to hold back because there's another day that's coming. And what I believe is that the way that we create this depth of joy that isn't shaken by the smallest trial is by giving our all daily to Jesus. Having a life that is laid down, every bit of it is laid down for him. Because we worship in a lot of stuff. Everybody in here has a God that we worship <laughs> There are a lot of things that we worship. Can I look at your life and see that it's Jesus that you're worshiping? Can I, can I look immediately and see that the Savior of our souls has captured your heart? My encouragement today is just to fall in love again. To fall in love with the Savior of our souls and you won't ever have to speak a word to lead somebody to Jesus. Our actions will begin to do that. There were two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there's the tree of life. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil taught us that there's good in the world and there's evil in the world. That's the tree that we weren't supposed to have. But then there was the tree of life whose fruit we get to taste now by the Spirit because... 
of Jesus. So now we get to taste this juicy fruit. Uh, but it doesn't come like that in fruit all the time. It comes in these seeds that have to be cultivated and and, uh, maintained in the Lord's presence and us with him and hungering and thirsting after God. Because of free will, you get as much of God or as little of God as you desire. And so many times it's like, God, I don't have any more. I'm thirsty. What is going on? I know you're infinite, but I can't find joy. I can't find peace. Darn sure it ain't supernatural. It's just something I got to drum up for myself. When every single bit of these instances line up perfectly, I'm at Disneyland on my birthday holding my perfect food. Then I can be joyful. Then I can be the surface level of joy, which is happy. Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. But where is the most joyful place on earth supposed to be here? Because remember, we have that joy in our heart. What is that joy? It tells us right here in 1 Peter 3 and 1. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter is talking to people who are getting hunted down, who are getting murdered, who are getting persecuted to the hilt. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of joy and full of glory. And then in verse 4, to an inheritance from Jesus Christ, incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That is the source of your joy. Blessed be the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It is going nowhere. This is the source of our joy before the Lord. I need to apologize in advance. This is going to be a little bit of a sharp word, but I think... Um, it's on time that as we yield our lives to God we find the abundance and richness of living for him that is the amazing witness to the Lord I remember um, going to experience church in Africa I've talked about this before, but you know what I'm saying? It's three hours before the guy comes up to preach. It's three hours of worship. They're just, as I call it, going in for Jesus. Worship, 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 because that's what you're going to be doing for all eternity. Worship, worship, worship. And it is not boring. 
And I think in church, we have to talk about the B word. The B word, which is boring, boredom. And I think, I tell my children, like, if you're in some, a place and you're feeling bored, there are, there could be possibly two reasons. Um, there is something happening that you're not engaging with. And also, there may not be something for you to engage with necessarily. And I think that as we show up fully ready to engage with Jesus Christ and the incorruptible inheritance that he has given us, that he shows up and gives her a measure of joy that is greater than we can imagine. So who and what are you worshiping? In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Turn to Daniel 3, please. Daniel 3 is the story of Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were taken into exile from Israel into Babylon, and they had to serve the wickedest king that was ever known. And um, he made this crazy law that said, if you didn't bow down and worship him when you heard some music, worship this golden statue of him, when you heard music, then you would be thrown into this fiery furnace. Now, of course, everybody knew Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were those who worshiped God. And because they worshiped God, this law seemed to be very much directed and targeted at them. Um, but we see the beginning of their interaction with the king starting at verse 15 after they decide that they are not turning back from what God has called them to do. So in 13, um, starting at 15, it says, Now if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? King is puffing out his chest a little bit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. 
And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astounded, astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the first is like the son of God. They had a fourth in the middle. And it, it seems like Peter is alluding to this when he says in verse 6 of 1 Peter 3, In this greatly rejoice. Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I posit that the fourth in the fire with them was Jesus Christ. In the midst of the fire with them, because worship is a very key activity that we do. It is something the enemy always wants to misdirect. Why is it when I'm in a bad mood, the first thing that is taken is my ability to exalt God, my ability to trust who he is, my ability to praise him to others. One of the first things that gets removed because of how powerful it is, and we may be under certain things and you know what I'm saying? Feeling this pressure of life. And there's something that happens when we worship in the midst of it. It is not joy unless it exists when everything is going wrong. Because then it's just happiness. It's just a fleeting moment that may not be actually rooted in the eternity of Jesus Christ. And I love this passage because um, this, they seem so courageous for doing this. They seem so aware of God's promises to keep them even in the midst of a fire. Even not feeling threatened by that. Because it's crazy. Being a worshiper makes you crazy. If anybody has ever seen me worship, I know I worship crazy. It's like, what is wrong with this dude? Like, he's jumping up and down. And it is, it is not something that I'm doing to create a show. It is nothing that I'm doing to worship and then leave here and live whatever kind of way I want to live. It is because the bigger, the higher that I exalt Jesus in my life, then the lower all of the things 
that keep anxiety and fear at my door saying, we very often have very big problems in a very small God who doesn't receive the due praise and exaltation in our lives. And everything seems like a massive problem that is threatening to kill me or to wreck me or to take me completely off track. Now, I know we all have things that we go through. We have depression that we're dealing with. We have all, and it doesn't mean that we don't go through these trials, but it does mean that we do go through these trials with a very clear picture of the person of Jesus before us. And his glory is being revealed even in the midst of these fires. His glory is being revealed even in the midst of these troubles. So that the option of giving up and turning back is never one that's on the table. Because it is an inexpressible joy of knowing that, yes, my inheritance is in heaven. But Jesus is down here with me. There is something about the withness of Jesus that expands when we worship. There's something about exalting his name higher than every other name that makes me very conscious of his withness with me. And I know, look, worship can look a lot of ways. It can, you know, look like taking care of your child at home. Worship can look like cooking a meal for your family. Worship can look like, um, um, reading your Bible. It can look like journaling. It could look like painting. It could look like a number of things. But it needs to look like something. It needs to come from a place of exalting Jesus and being connected to him. Can you imagine a day where you were never not aware of his witness? That you were never not aware of God's presence with you. That sounds like heaven. That sounds like you can walk through a fire. That sounds like you can not flip the person back off. It sounds like you could have grace for somebody being super anxious in the store because it's Christmas time. And you work in retail. Pray for you in Jesus' name. I did my time in retail, God. I just asked that you would minister to them right now, Lord. Woo! <laughs> Something about that witness. Like they, like they actually knew what was going to happen. Like they knew that God was going to show up. And I think they did because they read it in scripture. Seventy or so years before, Isaiah wrote these words. In Isaiah 43 and 2. He wrote, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. They understood the God that they were following. And this is a rock-solid promise that comes from the words from the lips of the Lord. 
when I raise my hands and I jump up and down worshiping the Lord, what I am doing is taking the seed that has been given to me as a promise and I am like shaking it down into my spirit. I am shaking it down into my spirit knowing that trials come on a good man, the righteous man, and an unrighteous the same way. I shouldn't probably be reacting to trials the same way the unrighteous does. Because remember, I have an inheritance that's undefiled. And I see that although I'm going through various trials, it is just revealing the glory of Jesus Christ. It's only for a little while. And then we understand Romans 8 that says your present sufferings are nothing. This is not to minimize anybody's suffering. It's just scripture. I'm sorry. Your present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. That God is always revealing something in us. And I, I promise you, you get a hold of this, you get a hold of a lifestyle of worship, and what it will do is not take away your troubles. It won't but it will put your troubles in their place and put Jesus in his place because we are exalting the name that is above every other name. So I, I pray for myself and for all of us that we, when we enter any space to worship the Lord, that we enter it as a holy activity that we may not get to do tomorrow. That we enter it with this precious understanding that in our full-bodied surrender to Jesus, he is beginning to reveal parts of his glory to us. He is beginning to reveal his goodness to us. In John 15 and 5, Jesus is encouraging us to abide in him. In 15 and 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He that abides in me will bear much fruit. How do you get fruit by abiding in Jesus. So that means any fruit that comes outside of abiding in Jesus is not really a fruit. It's like a fruit snack. It tastes fruit-ish. It's like joy exists only in his presence. For in his presence there's a fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. He has it all with him. And when we are determined to understand his witness, then we become a witness to others. We say, you know what? Let me tell you about how awesome this Jesus is 
who is with me. I, how I have this unshakable, undefiled inheritance in heavenly places that is more precious than gold. Using those words, more precious than gold. Because all these idols and other things that we can worship are normally made of gold. They're made of something nice and shiny and beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Anybody like seams in here? Like, you ever see, like, this perfect seam, like, on a new garment? It's just amazing to me. I don't know why it's so beautiful. It's like, yeah. Or you open something and it's packaged nice, like an Apple product, you know what I'm saying? You crack, like, a MacBook. It's like, oof, Jesus. The design is awesome. <laughs> All these are beauty. All these bring joy. All these things that bring these things are mere objects that can only be a fruit snack. They can only taste like fruit. They can't actually be that fruit. Because when we tenderize our heart and these seeds sink down in us, they make fruit that lasts. Do you want to feel joyful or would you like to be joy with Jesus? Do you want to like, feel peace certain times? Or do you want to hang out with the Prince of Peace and have it become a part of who we are? There is a power when we become worshipers. We get to talk to our souls and not be controlled by them. Get up, soul. What's your problem? We worship on Sunday. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what David did. He's like talking to himself. David did a lot of talking to himself. In Ziklag, when they return to camp and the whole camp is burned and everything is gone, <clears throat> all their wives are gone, all of their food is gone, all their provisions are gone, and it says that David's men's men wept until they had no more strength. I got a 10-year-old daughter. That takes a long time. It takes a long time to weep until you don't have any more strength. And then it said, David turned and encouraged himself in the Lord. He was like, you're still awesome, man. Remember you killed that giant? Yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. That's so good. All right, all right. <laughs> and then they went and pursued the enemy and overtook everything. But above all, even David was known for being a worshiper. And when his wife made fun of him for worshiping too much, he said, you know what? Don't worry about that. I will become even more undignified than this. Dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. Sorry, self-control is, but eh, dignity is not. Because if we ain't going to lose it for Jesus, who are we going to lose it for? And he's worthy. He's worthy, which is the word that worship comes from. Worthiness. And as we give him all that's due to him, we begin to bear fruit. Connecting to the power of the spirit that increases during adversity. 
Today is the day, three years ago, that my sister was killed in a car accident. And this week was also the week that we closed our church plant, never to open again. It's a painful week for me, full of grief and mourning. And I remember the, the day that we were at my sister's memorial service. There's six, seven kids in my family, six boys and one girl. And she's right in the middle. And we're at the service, it's at a church, and it's a time of worship, and um, I'm worshiping the Lord. And I look down the line, and all of my brothers are worshiping the Lord. And somebody mentions how, how great that is, but it's something that's very natural for us because we do it every day. Every time we come in the Lord's presence, we are worshiping him. We're remembering that if your joy doesn't work in adversity, it doesn't work. If our worship doesn't work in adversity, it doesn't work. And trust me, giving all you have to Jesus will only receive back all that you need. This is a perfect time for us to be talking about finances, for us to be talking about giving our lives over as a sacrifice to Jesus because there is nothing that he, that he receives that he doesn't give you back in a greater measure. All of yourself. But do we really believe that? That he's not doing it because he wants to control you. He's doing it because he wants to mold you. He wants to shape your heart. And worship is warfare. I want to read this last passage. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Uh, prayer team, you can come on up. Uh, worship team. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaking, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out in a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. The power of worship in the midst of adversity. And Paul and Silas had been followed by this girl who was demonized for days, and they decided to finally cast the demon out of her, and they were thrown immediately in prison. The first thing they think to do is to worship. which my natural thing to do would be like, it sucks, this is horrible, God, why did you put me here? What are you doing? It's crazy how their whole environment was changed by exalting the God in whom change exists and transformation exists. I pray that you all 
um, leave here with not just the understanding in your head of how important it is to exalt the Lord, but I want to pray that you would be imparted and infused with a new passion and love, a freshness for who he is. You want to stand up? There's something that happens when we first get saved where we are just enamored with Jesus. And over time, as time does, it begins to dim our flame and it begins, the troubles of the world begin to choke these promises and seeds that God has put inside of us. But I just want to pray that the way God is giving you to receive joy, that the way God has given you to, to worship him, that it would permeate every area of your life. Like every area of life would look like worship to Jesus. That we wouldn't say, ah, you know, it's, it's Monday now. But that we would give God Saturday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday that we would not be drunk with wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns in our heart to Jesus. You will be very surprised how much this changes your posture, posture and changes your environment. Just put your hands up. Father, I pray now um, for an impartation um, of all the joy and, and passion that you've given me, that you would just pour it out right now on us, Lord Jesus, that we would consider every moment as precious before you in your presence, God, that we would go um, just like Jacob and that we would grab a hold of you, God, and we wouldn't let go until you bless us, Lord Jesus, that this is not um, just attempting to stir up some kind of emotion. This is us uh, rooting ourselves in a foundation that is you, that is Jesus Christ that lives in the midst of us, that has given us this undefiled inheritance that is much more precious than gold. In this season, help us remember the inexpressible joy of following you and understanding of your witness that makes us a witness of who you are. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. May your name be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have communion here during our response time, so please feel free to come over and partake of the Lord's body. Um, maybe it's because I'm an artist, maybe because I don't know that I, <laughs> I think of Oh, look at the little flower. Oh, my God, it's so awesome. <laughs> but I think there's some of that in every one of us, this childlike wonder at all that God has created. So let us wonder being in a company of so many beautiful people and being in a company of those who have Jesus and his joy in our hearts.